Hello and welcome to the Fertility Warriors podcast. I'm Robin Birkin from Modern Day Misses. This podcast is for anyone who's having a bumpy road to baby making and for those of us who are surviving infertility. I'm here to provide you with regular inspiration, tips and support to help you on this crazy roller coaster. All of our journeys are different. Some of us have trouble falling pregnant, some of us have trouble maintaining a pregnancy, and that's okay. But I feel like we're always united in our emotions, that shitty feeling of trying for a baby and it not happening, feeling like we've got no control, feeling like we don't know what the problem is and like we just wish we could fix it or find out, come on, just tell me, you know, when am I going to have that baby or is it going to happen for me? And that those raw emotions of uh, feeling like you're really alone If you're having a tough time uh, with infertility or baby making, then I really encourage you to join our Facebook group. It's called Fertility Warriors Support and Chat Group, and you can find the link on the Modern Day Misses website, so moderndaymisses.com. It's a great place. All of the ladies there are so wonderful. I love you all, Uh, and beautiful support in there. It's a really positive vibe in that group. Now, today I wanted to talk about how to keep your relationship alive while undergoing fertility treatments. I've heard so many stories of people whose relationships haven't survived fertility treatments, they haven't survived uh, miscarriage and things like that. And I, I really feel for those people because it is hard and I don't think, I don't think anyone's relationship necessarily comes out of it uh, exactly the same. Some people come out of it stronger. Uh, for some people, they need to work at it. But I thought I'd go through today 11 ways to keep your relationship alive uh, or that spark in your relationship alive while you're undergoing fertility treatments. And I think if I broke it down into two things, I would say that the biggest two things are awareness, so being aware of the situation uh, and expectations, so not having unrealistic expectations about what your relationship should be uh, or anything like that while you're undergoing fertility treatments. So the first thing that I think is really important is that there's a no blame zone when you're going through fertility treatments. So sometimes one person, uh, I guess, is at at fault for our fertility problems. Um, Sometimes we don't know. Sometimes it's a bit of both. But I actually feel like more often than not, it is a bit of both. When we first started our fertility journey, I feel like they couldn't really find anything on my side. But, you know, we've been at this a few years. We've uh, had Chloe and then we've started again. And more so, it's come out that I seem to have uh, an autoimmune uh, quirk. I have a high ANA titer, which means that my immune system is switched on. And I've um, the only times that I've successfully conceived is when I've been on prednisolone and aspirin, which have suppressed my immune system. So you have to wonder whether actually there is something wrong with me. But uh, we've always tried to not uh, blame each other. And I think that's really important. And a lot of people, you know, it will clearly, one person will clearly have, you know, perhaps uh, like a chromosomal abnormality or something like that, that you can say, well, that's definitely going to have an impact on fertility. And they have a baby And the first time it's fine. But then when they're trying for the second baby, they discover that actually uh, the partner might have endometriosis or um, some cysts or something like that that might also be contributing to the problem. But it's not really that that is the reason why I say it. The reason I say it is because A, blaming someone doesn't really do 
any good. But B, you're in this together. It takes two to tango. So I don't think it really matters whose problem it is. Uh, And then, you know, if you blame the one person for the problem, it's not going to do you any good at all. So I think you need to establish and you need to say in your mind, whoever's at fault, you need to say, look, it's going to be a no blame zone. We're in this together. Whatever happens, uh, it's the two of us trying to have a baby. So let's not ever, you know, and it's okay to say that in the good times, but you need to verbalize it because it's in the bad times when you're in the middle of an argument that somebody always tries to slip that in there. So I think to set it as a ground rule that no, you're not, you're really not going to um, blame anyone for their problems and even things like your partner might really just need those two cups of coffee a day uh, and they might need that for their sanity and you might be sitting there going, ah, but got to stop drinking that coffee. And I mean, you can say it once or twice, but if they really feel that they need that and that's really going to affect their mental well-being, um, then I'm inclined to say that, you know, you've just got to sort of take like roll with the punches uh, a little bit unless they're, you know, like a big recreational drug user and in that case uh, I feel like you can um, lay down lay the smack down a little bit Uh, but in general keep it as a no blame zone and really verbalize that so that in the times when you're having arguments and things like that you know that that's just not going to come up. The second thing I think is that you need to understand that this is a phase. This moment in your lives when you're trying for a baby is temporary. So whether or not you end up having a baby, you might adopt, you might have a surrogate, you might decide that life uh, without children is fine. Whatever you're going through now is a phase. So you need to try and remember what things were like before you were trying for a baby. Uh, And you were probably really happy in your relationship. Things were fun, things were exciting and you've now got into this point where you've been trying and trying for months. If you're listening to this podcast, you know, you've definitely got something um, not right in the fertility stakes and so you've been trying for months and you're probably at the low point right now so you need to just remember that this isn't forever, it's a phase and you need to try and remember what life was like before and to recognise that life can still be like that after this phase in your lives. The third thing uh, that I would say is to understand that the way that you deal with things in life, particularly tough moments in life, is probably different to the way your partner deals with things. Men and women are different. Women and women even are different and men and men are different. Some of you might want to talk things out. Someone might just want to go to the golf course and smack a ton of balls at the driving range. Someone might want to go to the movies uh, and just sit and zone out. Uh, Someone might want to go for a massage. Um, And I definitely know from my experience, my husband is not the type of person who would like to sit down and have an in-depth discussion with me about our fertility and what we can do and let's go see a naturopath and do this and that. And I respect that. That's not uh, how he deals with it. The way that my husband deals with it is he goes surfing a lot and he needs that. He needs that release. He needs to get out there in the salt water. He needs to go surfing. He needs to really physically exert himself Whereas for me, I want to talk, I want to have massages, I want to just really, you know, involve myself in self-care and, you know, voodoo fertility like crystals and stuff like that. That's what I do. And so we both respect um, each other that, 
um, the way that we deal with things is different. Uh, and then if I want to really talk it out with someone, then what I'll do is I'll go find a friend or my fertility group uh, on Facebook or someone that I can really talk with. The fourth thing um, that I think is really powerful for keeping that spark in your relationship is to have date nights. Date nights are a wonderful way to keep that connection, to make sure you're remembering what times were like before this fertility journey uh, and be spontaneous as well. If you get, if you had a really uh, bad result at fertility clinic or something like that, spontaneously decide, well, let's go out to dinner. And it doesn't, even if you don't have that much money, you can go out to the beach. Uh, you can go to the park. You can go for a really long hike and just expend that energy. Uh, and I think that date nights and that time alone to do something that isn't related to fertility treatments, it's not, it doesn't come with that, you know, that stress of after work, I'm going to cook dinner and do this and well, then we'll sit and watch TV like we do every single night is a really great thing. I remember once we'd had a really bad result uh, and I can't, I'm trying to remember what it was and whether it was the day that we were told um, that our pregnancy wasn't viable and we were just in a, you know, like a pretty bad space and we just decided at the spur of the moment to go into the city where we live and find somewhere to eat for dinner. We hadn't made a reservation and I'm pretty sure it was a Friday night. So everywhere was really busy and we kind of just walked around aimlessly trying to find somewhere. And down this tiny little alleyway, we found this quiet restaurant and we ended up going there. You know, we threw caution to the wind. We we're like, whatever, we're just going to have the cocktails. We're going to have um, entree, main, dessert. We're going to splurge. Uh, and because I was vegan at the time, um, and they didn't have anything vegan on the menu. I said, look, what can you do for me? And they were great. They ended up making me like a whole special dessert, which I really appreciated. Uh, and the service at the restaurant was great. And we, that wouldn't have happened if we hadn't just thrown caution to the wind and decided to go out at the very last minute. And it ended up being a really great night. And it definitely turned our frowns around and took our minds off the situation for a little while. Um, the other thing that I think, which is number five, is look for the good. So there are always positive things happening in your relationship. So it might be that your partner has cooked dinner or they might have lit the fire or they might have come home uh, from work a bit early or they might be sitting with you at your transfer holding your hand. Look for all of the good that they're doing because I promise you that in every relationship there is always something positive happening. Um, and be grateful for that. Appreciate your partner for what they do, even if it's things that they've always been doing uh, and even if it's things they do every single day. It, like one of the things that I love that my my partner does is that he always gives me a kiss goodbye when he goes for work because he leaves for work really early and um, not anymore because I have Chloe, but I used to still be in bed when he'd leave and he'd come to the side of the bed and give me a kiss goodbye. And those things are beautiful. So try to, uh, even if they're things that, are happening every day, even if they're things that your partner uh, has always done, try to really uh, recognise those and appreciate them and it just helps you to look at your relationship in a different light and in a more positive light when it might be really easy to overlook those things because there's these other somewhat negative things happening in our lives. Number six 
is to remember that your emotions right now aren't always your own, especially if you are at a fertility clinic and on the fertility drugs. You may be a crazy bitch, and I know that I have definitely um, had the you know the full spectrum of emotions: crying one minute, yelling the next, uh, really happy the next. Uh, and I think you just need to recognise that that's the case, and that you might you know, without wanting to do that, you might sometimes you know flip out <laughs> and be uh, not the person that you usually are. And you may need to verbalize that to your partner as well. You may need to say, look, I just need to let you know I'm on these drugs. It's a crazy amount of hormones. It's like PMS times a thousand. So you need to understand that if I lose my shit or, you know, if I'm a crying mess, I really kind of just need your support and I need you to to be the one who stays cool and just let me ride out this roller coaster because, let you know, I'm injecting myself in the stomach every night, so I, you know, I don't need any more, <laughs> any more than what I've already got. And just to remember, if you do have an argument or something like that, or if you do um, lose your cool, just remember, like they're not your own emotions, so it's not real. It's almost like it's like a fake sense of reality. So you just need to understand um, that if you do have an argument, that it's like it's not necessarily a real argument or a true reflection of the way that you feel or the way that your partner feels or the way that your relationship is at this point in time. Number seven is go on a holiday. There is definitely a point where it can all just become too much. Uh, And for us, it was just after I had had the medical miscarriage and we decided, you know what? Because of all the fertility treatments, I hadn't had, I'd saved up a ton of annual leave. And we just said, we just need to get away. So, with maybe two weeks' notice, we booked a holiday to Lombok, which is in Indonesia. And we stayed at a resort that was in the middle of nowhere. So, it wasn't like a resort that was in the middle of town where you could go to restaurants. It was a surf resort that was, at, you know, completely in the middle of nowhere, right next to a local village. Uh, and I sat by the pool, I read some novels, I had cocktails, I had massages, and my husband surfed, uh, and I went snorkeling and things like that as well. And I don't even usually do that when I go on holidays. I'm usually the type who will be outside seeing, doing things every day, but this was a holiday where I just relaxed and I just did nothing, and it was really what we needed at the time. And sometimes, you know, you've got all these people asking you questions that you don't want to answer. There's all of this pressure. There's constant blood tests. You've got to be here. You've got to be there. You've got to be maintaining work. You've got to maintain this happy feeling while you're at work. And I think that there can become a time when it's all too much that you just want to say, you know what, stuff it. I just want to go away. And fertility treatments, I understand that we have a biological clock uh, often ticking, but one month, will not make or break it. So I definitely think that you can, you know, if it's all getting too much, say, I'm going to take a break for one month here and I'm just going to forgo this cycle, start, pick it back up again at the next cycle uh, and just take a holiday and a break from the treatments uh, for a month. And that holiday for us was definitely worthwhile and it really uh, changed my outlook on things as well. Number eight is order the cocktail. 
I think that we can get so caught up in fertility treatments and this is wrong and this is right. We should be doing this. We shouldn't be doing this. I need to do acupuncture. I need to do, go to see a naturopath. I can't drink alcohol. I can't have any coffee. Um, I need to be eating pineapples. I need to eat Brazil nuts. I need to do this, that, that. It just becomes really overwhelming. And I think that, you know, perhaps we can be a bit overwhelming for our partners as well. Um, and I think to myself that you need to do what you can manage and you need to still try and manage the stress you're under and still try to enjoy what you can uh, of your life at this moment. You don't want to look back and think that, wow, I mean, you may anyway, but think, wow, that that was a really dark three years of my life. I didn't enjoy any of it. I didn't do anything. Um, so you, I think, you know, there's one cocktail if you're out at dinner isn't going to hurt. Uh, and I think the little things as well, like you might, when you go out to dinner, you might usually have a wine, but you might want to splurge and have a cocktail and little self-treats and self-love, uh, things like that, I think just help to uh, amplify the joy in our lives. And this is a time when you do need to amplify the joy in your life. So, you know, treat yourself and order the cocktail. And don't worry that one cocktail will have an impact on your fertility because I promise you that one cocktail here and there is not going to be the end of the world. Number nine is set rituals. I am such a huge fan of rituals in our lives. Uh, and one of the rituals which kind of... Uh, is a blend of some of the other ones that I've had, is that Ross and I got into this ritual of every Tuesday night driving into the city and going to this place which didn't have particularly good nachos, um, but it had half-price nachos on a Tuesday night. So we just hop in the car every Tuesday night and go and have half-price nachos. And it wasn't anything particularly um, special, but it was our little ritual and it was something that we could look forward to. Uh, so another ritual that I have is I go with my cousin every March. We both splurge and have a massage together. And so we call that March Massage. Uh, and it's just things that you can really look forward to. I have a friend who every Thursday night has a nice long bath. So set yourself rituals, things that you can look forward to in the week or in the month or in the year that helps take your mind off some of the other events that you have going on. Um, and so it might be things that you'll do with your partner, but it might be things that you might not. And you might ask, well, if I'm not doing it with my partner, how does it help? Well, it helps because it helps you uh, to feel happier in yourself. Um, and when you feel happier and when you have things to look forward to, then um, that definitely is something that helps the relationship. Number 10 is be open to change. I think you need to be aware of what is happening in your relationship. You need to be aware of who you are. You need to try and be aware of how you're interacting with your partner. So sometimes that might involve you trying to make a conscious effort to uh, you know, try and be a fly on the wall in your own interactions in your relationship uh, and try and see what's happening. But Really try and have an awareness of that. And if things aren't working in your relationship, then change them. So if you think to yourself, you know, we're not having fun anymore, this is the pits, then try and start having fun. So be open to change. Or if your husband says to you, do you know what? You've like gone off the side of a cliff. You're so regimented about this. 
uh, it's driving me nuts, then try to have an awareness of that and try and um, have a look and analyse to yourself, you know, whether that is the case and whether things do need to change uh, and just be open to that change. Uh, I always, you know, thought to myself that my husband and I could be happy without children, but the really tough time was trying for children. Um, and then I always thought to myself as well that, you know, it's one thing to not have children, but then it's another thing to not have a partner or any children. So I really um, valued my relationship, I value my relationship with my partner, uh, and really made an effort to try and you know, keep our relationship strong during fertility treatments. Uh, and so I'd really be open to change and try to have an awareness of, you know, how I was acting and, um, you know, what I was doing to maintain the relationship. And it's, it is work. I mean, no relationship is ever easy. There's always an amount of understanding. You're living um, with another person 24-7. So I don't think that's ever a stroll uh, in the park and I don't think there are ever... No no issues and then if you top that off with fertility treatments you know I think that it you know it can definitely test you. Number 11 is my last one and that is don't expect your sex life to be as it was. I'm not going to talk too much about it because I'm a little bit of a prude uh, and I kind of think that um, people's sex lives are their own um, but I think to expect your sex life to be as it was before or as it was when you started trying. It's kind of like expecting a woman who's just giving birth to then go out and start wearing a bikini. It's kind of unrealistic. Um, you're there, you've got timed intercourse. There's, I suppose, to a degree, that reminder, um, that mechanical aspect to having sex because of what it's become. And I don't think that that means that you should assume that your sex life will go down the toilet. But I think that you have to have an awareness that, it, you know, for this period in your life, it might be a little bit different and that it probably won't always be like that um, and that you just need to write it out. And you do need to make an effort, I think, on all counts of your relationship uh, as well. So those are the 11 uh, things that I think you can do to keep a bit of spice in your relationship and to keep help keep the spark alive in your relationship if you have any other things that you recommend please do comment and let us know um, and stay tuned for the next episode of the fertility warriors podcast i'm robin birkin and thank you very much for listening